Welcome back to the Ways to Flourish podcast, where we discuss how to flourish through our challenges and elevate voices across William & Mary's campus. I'm Lindsay Heck. And I'm Mary Garrison. And today, Dr. Dorothy Ebess is back. She is the Senior Lecturer for Environmental Science and Policy Program and Center for Geospatial Analysis. Welcome, Dr. Ebess. I'm glad to have you back on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. So tell us about yourself and, and the work that you do here on campus. Sure. As you said, I'm a senior lecturer for environmental science and policy and also at the Center for Geospatial Analysis. And I also direct William & Mary's Park and Ecotherapy Research Lab. The PERL, as we call it, P-E-R-L, is the campus lab I direct along with a number of very passionate and talented William & Mary students. And our mission is to cultivate nature-connected communities that foster mental health, sustainability, and environmental stewardship. And we do this primarily in three ways. So first, by conducting interdisciplinary, use-inspired research that enhances this understanding of the connection between mental health and nature engagement, and also applying current research to inclusive campus projects and programming that support diverse students in both spending more time in nature and with nature and developing a meaningful relationship with the natural world. And finally, um, one of the major goals of the lab is to train the next generation of diverse green space and ecotherapy practitioners, researchers, and advocates. So every semester, I have a number of students in the lab. Right now I have eight and I've had uh, over 40 in the past eight years I've been running the lab at William & Mary. Wow. That's wonderful and you have a uh... You've got a nature symposium coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what it is that you're hosting uh, at the end of the month? Sure. So um, the Campus Nature Rx Network is a network of professionals from 28 campuses, ranging from large universities to small liberal arts colleges um, across the United States. So we at the Parks and Ecotherapy Research Lab are co-hosting the National Symposium for what we call CNRX this month, along with my colleagues at Cornell, University of Maryland, and Calvin University. The symposium is free, it's open to the public, and it will be held virtually on October 22nd from 12 to 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the meeting is particularly geared towards people interested in starting or expanding campus nature programs, um, just curious about the movement and wanting to learn more and or looking to network with like-minded people. So anyone who is interested can learn more and register for the free Zoom event at campusnature.com. Oh, can I ask a question? Yeah, of course. Because I'm not going to be here in the talk. I'm going to speak at another conference. What if we can't attend? Is there anything for those of us who can't attend that we could do? Definitely. Well, the recorded, entire recorded presentation will be available on the same website, campusnature.com, probably a couple weeks after the event. Thank you. What are some of the campus projects that you're most excited about? For the Parks Research Lab? Yeah. The Campus Green Space Map is a series of 10 interactive maps that display location and details for over 100 outdoor spaces on or near the William & Mary campus, where you can get your daily dose of nature, doing activities that you perform every day, like studying, eating, playing sports. Um, it also includes maps for fun activities to help you get outside more. So there's a tree tour, a birding map, and a campus explorer map. 
Um, and the map is available on the official William and Mary app in the Healthy Together module under Tools and Resources. Um, and it's also accessible online at campusgreenspace.wm.edu. Um, another project I'm excited about is our Campus Park Rx program, which has been taken mostly online since COVID began. So uh, in a couple of weeks, you'll be able to actually submit a form to get prescribed or referred to a park in the area, depending on your preferences for types of spaces, the amenities you want, how you plan to access the space, how far away you want it to be, et cetera. Um, so you'll be able to do that right online and get um, one of our park ambassadors to literally give you a prescription for a park space to help you find new park spaces uh, in and around campus. I'm also very excited that recently my co-producer and I released our documentary short film, which is called Nurture with Nature. You can uh, watch this film and learn more about it at nurturewithnaturefilm.com or also it is accessible through the parksresearchlab.com website. Um, so this is a film we produced over the last several years. Um, it includes footage from William and Mary students that also collaborated in a Reevely Fellowship course with myself and my co-producer Tanya Stadelman. Uh, we also have the William and Mary Campus Bird scavenger hunt and map project so hopefully that's going to be coming out in next semester or next year um, that is a map of birding spots on campus a physical map you can pick up with a booklet um, to help you go out and find birds on and around the campus area i think those are pretty much the biggest projects we have going on right now in addition to research projects which which is kind of a different thing would you like me to talk about those as well sure absolutely please sure Recently, I published a paper with Kathy Forstell in psychology, um, and that one was Campus Green Space and Meditation on College Students' Moods, so that can be accessed on our website. Um, there's also a recent paper called Green Space Ecotherapy Interventions about the stress reduction potential of green microbreaks. Um, I am right now working on revisions on a paper with my collaborators at Cornell called Barriers to Nature Engagement by Youth of Color that is forthcoming uh, hopefully this year or early next year. We're also working on a book chapter called Best Practices for Engaging Youth of Color in Parks, Green Spaces, and Nature Sites. And there's a few other papers that are a little bit older that you can access on our website as well. Um, finally, there's a new project we are working with in collaboration with um, Dr. Singh at Aid Data, looking at um, nature on campuses and how they correlate to mental health statistics. And we'll be using nature quant software, which is a really interesting software package and working with that company to conduct that research. So we feel good when we're outside. You're collecting evidence to prove that uh, why this is the case. Why exactly do human beings need contact with nature? Yeah, so really decades of research is pointing to this undeniable consensus that time in and around nature is beneficial to human mental health and well-being. There's literally hundreds of studies showing that engaging with nature and being in nature and having nature around you makes you more productive, and happy and optimistic. It can make you feel less stressed and anxious and depressed, less lonely. 
Um, time in nature has been shown to reduce blood pressure, levels of the stress hormone cortisol. It helps clear your mind when you feel overwhelmed or kind of fuzzy headed, like when you've spent a long time concentrating on something. It's really helpful to just look outside or look at a plant or take a short walk. Um, and it's been shown to improve your mood. And interestingly, even a little bit helps. So in that paper I mentioned that I co-authored with uh, Dr. Kathy Forstell, um, we found that just 20 minutes in a campus green space improved the mood of um, over 200 participants by more than 80%. Um, our results also suggest that spending time outdoors regularly builds resilience to life stressors. So time in nature functions as both a healing agent and a preventative measure against kind of mental health issues in general. And I'll say on a social and global level, time in nature leads to more pro-environmental behaviors and attitudes um, and access to parks and other green spaces facilitate social cohesion and the creation of social capital, which are really essential for building equitable, inclusive, and just communities. Now, a while ago, you used the term micro break. And then just a moment ago, you talked about a 20 minute, um, you know, uh, minimum for outdoors. Is that your definition of a micro break? Um, actually, I consider a micro break much shorter than that. So, wow, okay. Uh, the paper that I published in 2018 with my co-authors, uh, we showed that just one or five minutes in a natural setting, conducting some mindfulness, mind-body exercises, um, reduced stress and, you know, had a positive effect in over 90% of the participants. And that was a study of over 500 people. Mm. And we're seeing the result of what's happening by spending time outside. Do we know what's actually happening within the body and the mind when we're engaging in outdoor spaces? Yes. Um, I'll say a little more broadly that there are a couple of kind of theoretical overviews as to why we're having these kinds of um, experiences in nature. So one of them is the biophilia hypothesis, which is that because we evolved in nature, it makes us feel comfortable and content and secure and calm. And research shows that just looking at an image of a natural scene calms your parasympathetic nervous system, reducing your stress levels. Um, there's also uh, Roger Ulrich's stress reduction theory from the early 90s, um, where he found that engagement with a natural place similar to those in which humans successfully evolved decreases stress because these types of spaces protected us from predators and provided food and shelter. So really showing that we are hardwired to feel calmer in landscapes, particularly near water with views of vegetation large open spaces with dense trees around um, the perimeter. I think of the sunken gardens when I when I think of these kind of landscapes, but those that we evolved in successfully. And then another major theory is um, attention restoration theory. And this was developed by the psychologists Rachel and Stephen Kaplan in the early 80s. Um, and it suggests that any activities that require a sustained focus, so studying, writing, computer work, reading a book, can incite directed attention fatigue, and that makes us more irritable and makes us uh, unable to concentrate. So when you kind of hit that wall when you're trying to study, they found that natural environments relieve this mental fatigue. And really the reasoning behind this very simply is that, you know, we evolved as humans intimately connected to and reliant on the natural world on a daily basis, right? It was essential 
for our survival as a species. So our brains are wired to be steeped in nature. It's not a luxury. We literally crave it. We literally need it, whether or not we are conscious of this or not. So we respond, our minds respond instantly when we take a moment to connect with nature, to, you know, smell the roses, as they say. Um, and we feel negative effects as we become increasingly disconnected from the natural world. And I'll say one last thing about this. I have to add that the natural world also needs us to remember this connection because as we build this relationship with nature or reawaken our relationship, we again come in contact with this natural urge that we have to care for and protect it, just like we would for anyone or anything else that we feel close to. So this is important for our own survival for obvious reasons, but also for the innate value of the planet and those we share it with. Now, how could members of our community, you know, the faculty, staff, students, everyone listening to us today, if they were interested in connecting with nature around campus or elsewhere, how would they do that? Um, well, you can visit our website again, as I said, parksresearchlab.com. We have a newsletter. We give you um, ecotherapy tips. Um, this is uh, every other week. You can go to there, go there to listen to podcasts and radio episodes about these topics. You can find resources for practicing and learning more, including apps for finding parks or for listening to nature sounds or to listening to podcasts about um, nature you know, topics. Um, you can also find links on there to follow the Parks and Ecotherapy Research Lab on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. We have all kinds of resources um, to help you practice this, to learn more, um, to get up to speed on the research. Um, definitely, um, please check out our documentary short film, mm -hmm. um, Nurture with Nature. Um, you can also visit campusnature.com to register for that free symposium that's happening um, or to watch the video if you do not make the symposium and learn more about that movement and get connected. And of course, people on the William & Mary campus um, should definitely check out the campus green space map. Uh, as I said, it's on the uh, official William & Mary app under Healthy Together or also on um, the campusgreenspace.wm.edu um, website. And if there's anything that our listeners could take home with them today, what is that that you would offer to them? Yeah, so of course there's so much I could say here, <laughs> but um, I'll share a couple of main takeaways. Um, first, any way that you can safely get more nature into your life can be hugely beneficial, even if it's just sitting outside while you study or eat lunch, getting a house plant, hanging a nature image in your study area, simply looking up from your phone when you're outdoors, especially this time of year, right? When the seasons are transitioning, notice the falling leaves, you know, the sound of their crunching under your foot, like tuning into this and, and people who, who practice and study mindfulness know this as well, um, can be hugely beneficial. Notice just the temperature of the wind or the sun on your face. Um, this is such a ripe time for these kind of experiences right now. And really, you know, you don't need to take my word for it, nor the word of hundreds of researchers that have studied this, just really notice how it feels for you. 
and reflect what works for you because for everybody this is different. So I like to think about some of the memories I've had, experiences I've had in nature that have made me feel really happy. So I have a great memory of being three years old on the back of my mother's bicycle and I remember just the wind on my face and seeing all these smiley faces and the greenscapes zooming past me as we were you know, biking in the Netherlands where we lived at the time, a very green urban area. Uh, I love a memory of when I took a hike uh, by myself in Colorado and stopped at this large rock covered with moss and just taking off my shoes and feeling that carpet of dewy moss under my feet. Or when I visited a farm store one time in the spring and there was this enormous metal bucket full of baby ducks. I mean, I can't help but smile <laughs> when I think of this, right? Um, and these days I regularly visit the Blue Ridge Mountains and I love, you know, my favorite hikes are scrambles on waterfalls or in wooded areas that, you know, open up to these beautiful outcroppings with these amazing vistas. So really inventory these for yourself and physically write it down. Like, I would, I would urge your listeners to pause the recording right now and just write it down. Like what kinds of nature experiences make you feel rejuvenated and energized and happy and calm? You know, what kind of environments help you to kind of take a step back and see your life with a little more clarity, compassion, wisdom? You know, this could be spending time with your pet, walking in the woods with a friend, a sunset on the beach, watching a meteor shower, biking in a local park. You know, um, and you can significantly amplify these benefits of, in nature by combining it with socialization. So find people to do this stuff with, make plans, put it on your calendar. Um, you can also amplify the benefits by incorporating some kind of physical activity. So instead of always meeting up with a friend at a coffee shop, you can walk and talk through a park or a green space, or instead of having a meeting at your desk, maybe see if they're willing to meet outside. Um, you know, make a nature bucket list if you're really goal oriented. Um, and I think my second recommendation is to really build a culture of nature connectedness and inspire others to engage with nature. Um, and one of the most effective ways you can do this is to model it. So do it as much as possible and be as bold and obvious as you dare to be. Every time someone sees you outside biking at a park or stopping to notice a tree or a flower growing a plant or picking up litter or just shutting your eyes to enjoy, you know, the, the sun or the wind on your face, you are sending a powerful message that connecting with and caring for nature is not only socially acceptable, but an essential component of a meaningful and healthy life. All right. I got to go pack my bags to the mountains right now. <laughs> so we better wrap this Do up. It. And as I was sitting here, I just had a memory of walking the woods with my grandmother and her pulling a sassafras sapling out of the ground, snapping it beneath my nose and said, this is where root beer comes from. And so here wow. I am in a recording studio with no windows and you have just taken me outside 40 some years ago. So thank you kindly for that. Thank you for being with us today, Dorothy. Abyss. Anything else you'd like to add? No, thank you so much. We are just Wonderful so to share this. We are so grateful for your presence. I'd also like to thank my colleague Lindsay Heck. Great to be here today. Thank you so much, Dorothy. And I would like to thank our sponsor, United Healthcare, for the support of this podcast. Ways to Flourish is produced by Lindsay Heck, Colin Cross, Jenny Hellmandaller, Ben Heath, Daria Moody, and myself, Eric Garrison.